Hello and welcome to The Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I am Cosmo Catalano. And we are here for our third and final Tour de France podcast. We are talking on the second and final rest day ahead of the quote-unquote third week, which technically already started. There are six stages ahead at the Tour de France, only six, and yet we still don't know who's going to win the race, which is it's crazy. That, that hasn't happened in years. That, that's pretty exciting. And it has people pretty stoked about this race. I'm loving this tour. This is, for me, this is the best tour I've seen since 2003. Um, and, you know, for, it's a very, uh, 2003 was different racing. So, um, a different sort of racing. Um, but I think, I think we're, we're super stoked because the guy winning the race by a minute and a half right now is not Gary Thomas or Chris Froome. Um, I, I think if they were, if, 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 if it weren't a guy who everyone expects to maybe not win the race, although people get more and more convinced he's going to win the race almost every day, um, I think we'd be in a different position. But I agree with you. There's a lot of stoke here and we don't, we feel like we don't know who's going to win. And I think that's more important than not actually knowing. And I think the, uh, the point is more that it, it remains unpredictable at this point in the race and that there's several riders who could potentially win. Um, Kaylee Fretz at Cycling Tips, a person who I work with quite a bit, uh, recently said something along the lines of, even if Gary Thomas were to win now, a lot of people I think would still be okay with it. They would, they would enjoy the win a lot more than in previous years because it has just not been the same kind of tour we've seen in recent years where Ineos has gotten up early and then dominated the rest of the way. So even if one of those two riders from Ineos, either Thomas or Egon Bernal, were to win at this point, it would still have been without much uh, certainty, uh, up until the last couple of days. And that alone is, is a, a break from what we've seen. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I usually agree with Kaylee most, most of the time. Um, <laughs> and, and then the, the other thing that makes it so interesting is this, the, yeah, this rider who is in yellow right now, Julian Alaphilippe, who neither of us thought was going to be in yellow into the third week. Uh, I think you were less, less bullish on him than I was, oh, yeah, but I didn't yeah. think he was going to be in yellow in the third week either. I just happened to think he was going to make it at least through the time trial mm-hmm. uh, in, in yellow. I did not expect him to survive the tourmalet. He did more than just survive. He yeah. thrived on the tourmalet. Uh, he finally did show some weakness, I think, on stage 15, some chinks in the armor. You know, insert your figurative language phrase of choice here. Uh, Thibaut Pino looks like the hottest guy in the GC battle right now. Mikel Landa surging, but he's got a long way to go. Egan Bernal, Emmanuel Buchmann, they looked great. Gary Thomas looked okay, as did Steven Kreiswick. Alaphilippe lost some time. So we're we're finally able to see here that maybe he's not invincible, and there's still this really hard week ahead, and it just puts us in this position where there's so many different guys who could win the Tour de France. I, I can't remember the last time um, when I looked at the odds this late into the Tour de France, that there wasn't an odds-on rider to win, and there is not. Uh, Thibaut Pinot looks like the shortest odds at the moment with most bookies, but he's not a he's not favored over the field. Nobody nobody is going to pick a single rider to be favored over the field at this point, just because of how open this race is. You can't say with any certainty what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you there. I I like the way that you you take the economist's approach and look at the people who are spending money and, and seeing what they say. Although I think the number, the, I think you may be getting a, a a tainted sample. Tainted is too negative a word. You may be getting a a, a not sufficiently broad cross section when you look at only the people who are betting money on cycling. Uh, but yeah, no, I I 
I'm with you there. This is this is very much a, a, a different race, and you know, it's it's really cool to see. Uh, before we talk about what's ahead, I think we could also talk a little bit about some of the non-GC storylines. The KOM battle, I think, is going to be great in the last week because there are a lot of climbs that come before the summit finishes of these mountain stages ahead. I think we're going to see a lot of action from guys like Vincenzo Nibali, who appears to be uh, going for the KOM jersey at this point. He had some gastro issues, it sounds like, in week two. Hopefully, he's recovered from those uh, to get involved in a busy polka dot jersey fight into week three. It's still a pretty wide open battle at this point. Uh, the KOM jersey, that is. The points, not so much. Peter Sagan, as usual, is, is way up there. But at least the, there are some sprint stages to come. And I think we're going to continue to get these sprint battles. And as we kind of pointed out last show, the sprinting at this Tour de France has been very open, very even. There have been multiple winners. Uh, no one rider has stamped his authority on the race in the sprinting department yet. That still could happen. Uh, there's there's still some opportunity for that to happen. Uh, we'll see with that where that goes here. Um, but yeah, I think it's not just about the, the yellow jersey. As as amazing as that yellow jersey battle has been, there have been some other cool battles of this race, and and uh, particularly in the breakaways. I mean, Simon Yates really yeah. turned this tour around for Mitchelton Scott. They've won three stages so far, and I think they could even win another one with the stages that are, are coming up here. Oh, it was, it was amazing to watch Yates kind of work. His, his, I mean, it's two, the two stages he won were so different, but he won them in almost the same way, really kind of picking that moment where he could make his move and be faster than anyone else for the remainder of the race, or at least get to the finish with people he thought he could beat. And I mean, that, st- that win on stage 12 was, I mean, and nobody expected Simon Yates to win that. You had a, a guy who was, who's the, clearly the, the, the Bora rider was clearly a, a stronger, Bigger guy looked like he was going to be the favorite in the sprint. You got Peo Bilbao, who is very, very crafty. Uh, and Yates just, I mean, because he knew the finish, he just totally pulled the wool over on both of them, getting a, getting an early move in for that first corner, kind of boxing him out, boxing uh, the, the Bora guy further out on the outside into the barriers, just a touch, nothing illegal, but like enough that he couldn't start sprinting for three or four more pedal strokes. Bilbao almost got around him, but uh, you know, you forget Simon Yates. He's a guy who is a world points race champion. Like he's a track racer, in addition to being a Grand Tour threat. And it's really cool to see a guy like that off the leash, kind of chasing stages. And I think we may get some of that with Nibali in the the KOM competition in the week to come. All right, so let's talk about the week to come, the exciting stages that lie ahead, because there are quite a few, and uh, that's one reason why I think people are so enthralled by this Tour de France. One, yeah, it's very open, but two, the stages to come should make for some great bike racing. Uh, Stage 16, we're not quite there yet in terms of the enthralling bike racing. It looks like it's probably a sprinter stage. You're not not excited about the race into Nimes, (laughs) which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. Yeah, I think the the Nimes stage is going to be a little bit less uh, compelling than, say, stage 15. Uh, There is a, a, a... hilly section, you could say, kind of heading into the finale. But to me, this looks like a sprinter's stage. Um, I'm going to go with Dylan Grunewagen to take this win. I think he's probably the fastest guy at the Tour right now, and I think his lead-out kind of let him down, uh, peeled off too early uh, the last opportunity he had. So Slash I'm gonna... got, got bumped off too early. There was, there was some argy-bargy, as they say. A wee bit of argy-bargy, yeah. I, I'm going to go with him to win uh, stage 16 here. I'm going to pick Caleb Ewan just to sort of be different and, and also to kind of recognize that, uh, you know, Grunewagen is, is working with a slightly different team without Van Arten there. And he hasn't been super instrumental to all his wins, uh, but he did have like a 6K pull the day he brought down his, his only stage win thus far. And I, I think you can't overstate the value of that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, stage 17 to me looks like a, a great day for the breakaway. So it's 200K. It's the day into gap, which is always a breakaway friendly kind of day. There are only two categorized climbs, but one of them is a cat three that comes like nine K from the finish. Um, it's, it's not that hard, but I think it's too hard for the sprinters and without the sprinters teams to control the race. And with the GC guys probably thinking about the stages to come, I expect a breakaway to get away. Uh, you know, this looks like a nice day for Alaphilippe to be honest for his skill set, but he ain't getting the breakaway. (laughs) So I think we're going to have to pick somebody else. Um, I'm going to go with Daryl Impey for this one. He looks uh, he looks pretty good at this Tour de France. He already has one stage win, and this does look like a profile he'll like. See, I was I was really thinking um, I was thinking Yates again because I I don't think I mean there's yeah there's there's not a lot of KOM points here, so I think you're going to see a lot of the, the, the you're going to see Vincenzo Nibali kind of holding back. Like this isn't going to be a huge day for him. Tim Wellens will probably be looking for uh, greener pastures, but then again, it's Tim Wellens, so he might attack at any time for any reason. Uh, but I, uh, I think I'm going to go with Yates here because I, I think his big focus is stage wins. And I think the way he's been riding, he'd be crazy not to give it a shot anytime he felt the urge. All right. Stage 18 is really hard. And I think it's really going to bring some fireworks. It's going to, it's going to be a compelling stage. It's going to really shake up the general classification battle. Would you call this the queen stage? Uh, it's really hard to say because the next stage is also really hard. I, I think this one is a bit harder. So let's go through it. it. There's four categorized climbs on the day. The first one you can kind of write off. It's a quick cat three really early. But then you have a category one climb, the Col de Vars, uh, an or category, the Col d'Isoir, and the Galibier, the or category Galibier. And then a descent to the finish, a pretty tricky descent to the finish right after the Galibier. Uh, the climbing on this stage is going to be the huge challenge. Uh, the Colty's Ward is pretty challenging, and then the Galibier is just, it's like goes on forever. Yeah, it's 25 or 23K according to the Tour de France guide, but I'm pretty sure it's actually longer than that uh, if you count kind of crawling out of the river valley before it's an official climb. Plus, this is a 200 kilometer long day. Like, this is, this is really brutal. Uh, it's a ton of climbing, and I, I think. One of the things that's inter- interesting to note is, we you know, everybody was super was taken aback when Alaphilippe held on to the at the the Tourmalet. That was what 117k. That was a really short day. Right, the next day right. was longer. He did not fare so well. I think this one is even without that summit finish. I think this is going to be the decisive stage of this year's tour. And the altitude makes a big difference as well. The the Col d'Isoir goes up to 2,300 meters. The Galibier goes over 2,600 meters. So in uh, U.S. units, that's 8,600 feet. And that is, that's altitude. That, that's going to be a real challenge for people who are not used to climbing at that level. We're not used to competing in climbs at that level. Uh, obviously, Julian Alaphilippe can get over these climbs, but he's not used to fighting with the likes of Gary Thomas, Egan Bernal, Thibaut Pino at the front on these stages at this altitude. And that's going to be a huge challenge for him. Uh, the stage itself, I think a breakaway could have a chance at it without a summit finish with the, with the up and down nature of it. Uh, I do think the break's going to have a nice shot at this stage and I'm going to go with Simon Yates to take the win. I have to pick somebody, don't I? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's too hard for a pack finish too. I'm going to go with Vincenzo Nibali to take this stage. I think he's out there hunting those KOMs. I think we see a lot of tired legs. I think we see a real cagey battle behind. So that's my pick. All right. Stage 19 
The profile's pretty interesting. There are five categorized climbs. There's some early ascents, Cat 3, Cat 2, Cat 3. And then the highest point in the Tour de France comes on the Col de Liseron, which is 13K at 7.3%. It is an ore category climb. Uh, It is not terribly steep. But at that altitude, 2,751 meters, which is about 9,000 feet, uh, (laughs) it's going to see some guys just go pop, I think. Yeah, it's it's hard to breathe. breathe. You're going to see guys get dropped up there. Uh, It's not the final climb of the stage. Uh, There is one last Category 1 to the finish line. And this is a stage where you could lose a ton of time. Because if you lose touch on the Col de Lizeron, it's over. I mean, there's a there's a descent into a valley and then another Category 1 climb. Uh, on the other hand, I think this is a cool opportunity for a guy like Mikael Landa uh, to go on the attack from a little farther out. We saw this in Stage 15. He attacked on the penultimate climb of the stage, held on because people weren't that worried about him, but also because, you know, if Julian Alaphilippe somehow was still in the lead by this point in the race, uh, what's he going to do if riders go on the attack on this penultimate climb? I don't think he's going to have that many teammates. Dakota Quickstep is not built to defend a yellow jersey. And I don't think he can go chasing down every attack on a on a penultimate climb on this kind of stage. And so this stage, and stage 18 as well, uh, could be a real opportunity for people to launch long-range attacks and really try to shake this thing up. Hopefully, they will do that to make for an interesting race. Yeah, I mean, you may we, we may see Alaphilippe not winning the Tour de France, but perhaps deciding who wins the Tour de France and, and what moves he follows and in who he decides to mark, um, which is... Really interesting. I can't remember the last time. Well, I can. It was 2008 uh, when uh, I think Cadell Evans let – he basically had to pick between the Schlecks and Sastra, and he picked Sastra and saw, didn't chase him, and Sastra won the tour. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think for the stage, I like uh, Egan Bernal here. Mm. I want to be different, but I also want to pick the guy that I was going to pick, which is Egan Bernal. So I'm going to go yeah, with Egan Bernal as well. Just, let's just do it, man. He's, <laughs> he looks it. so scrappy. And I think with the altitude, it's going to be great for him. Uh, other guys might struggle, and he's just going to be, hey, this is fine. But I mean, he, when he caught up with Bookman, he, he was just chewing his ear off. Like, come on, pull, let's go, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. All right, stage 20, the final GC-oriented day of this Tour de France. It's 130K, so it's pretty short from Alberville to Val Thorens. Uh, there is an early Category 1 climb, which should spring a nice breakaway move. And then there's a Category 2 and then there is an extremely long climb to Val Thorens. I, I can't remember seeing a Tour de France classified climb this long. It's 33.4 kilometers. I think they're uh, cheating in classification. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of downhill. There, in this yeah. Climb. Yeah. It, it's true. There's a couple of stopping points and maybe little villages along it's, the way. It's like sticking uh, three different Strava segments together to make an HC Strava segment. Like it's, it's, it's should, only 5.4%, the average gradient only. I mean, but over 33.4K with two other climbs on the day, I think you're going to see some GC action here. And, and I it think, finishes above 2,000 meters again. Exactly. I, I think with the altitude um, and going from the the bottom of the climb, it's a, it's a change in altitude over the course of just this climb that's pretty dramatic because the foot of the climb is only at 500 meters. Uh, so to go all the way up to 2,363, where the summit is, that's going to be a shock to some systems. Um, as for the stage win, I do, I kind of like Aaron Thomas for this one. This looks like the kind of climb where he can 
just grind away, grind away, and then attack in the final kilometer, which he did with great success in 2018. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Thomas for this one. I'm going to go with Thibaut Pino. Thomas is a good pick, but I, this watching Thomas yesterday, a just constantly acceleration after acceleration after acceleration. I think the stair steps in this climb, even though the gradient is low uh, and, and Thomas friendly, I think the the constant on off nature of it will play into his hands. All right, stage 21, the final day of the Tour de France, as usual, should be a sprinter-friendly day in Paris. Uh, they call it a procession. I don't know that that's true. Richie Port, I interviewed Richie Port at the Tour of California <laughs> earlier this year. I read that article. He made it very clear this was not a procession. He was hungover, uh, though. He did point out that he was hungover the first time that he did it. Uh, it should be a sprinter's stage, though. I'm going to go with Caleb Ewan for this one. I think on the back of three mountain stages, there could be some tired legs among the sprinters, assuming they even survive. And I think uh, Ewan's pretty well built to handle some of these mountains, and he's looked good at this Tour de France so far, so I like him for the final stage. I think this is a sprint that's really much more... Uh, it favors the bigger kind of gorilla-y dudes. Uh, Eric Zabel was always that sprinter who could get over the mountains and never won here, um, although it probably had something to do with you know all the EPO he was on. Uh, but no, I, I, I think I'm going to go with uh, Dylan Grunewager here. Um, I'm tempted to pick Kristoff because he's knocked on the door a couple of times, but I, I don't know at his age that he will be uh, as able to handle the, the abuse of three weeks of racing. So, yeah. All right. So that's our picks for the final six stages of the 2019 Tour de France. Of course, the real question is, who's going to win the yellow jersey? And we've we've tried our hand at picking our winners twice now uh, at the start of the race and then just before the second week. Uh, I went with the same guy both times, and I think I'm going to change my my prediction into the final week. I think I've been convinced uh, by a rider you mentioned a couple of minutes ago uh, as somebody who has been uh, unbelievable in the last couple of days. I think Thibaut Pinot is going to win the Tour de France, and I feel kind of strange saying that because uh, I've picked him to do a lot of things over the last couple of years, and he has not delivered uh, he has been just, he's come up short for one reason or another in, uh, several grand tours in a row. He's been, uh, he's improved dramatically as a time trialist and a descender. So he's, he's worked on those weak, weaker areas of his earlier career. And yet he has still somehow found a way to fall into the Jorsan problem, uh, over and over again. But he looks so strong right now to me that I don't know that that's going to matter. I think he's going to be able to pull through the Alps and, and, um, claw back that that about two minutes that he needs to uh on Alaphilippe and I really think he's going to be able to hold on and win this bike race somehow a rider from Groupama FDJ a Frenchman but I'm believing I'm I'm, I'm on the Pinot train uh I I do think that uh Ineos are going to put Gary Thomas and Egan Bernal on the podium still uh I think both of those riders still look good Thomas has looked a little less good than we thought he was going to look but uh, he's still up there, and he has a lot of an advantage from the earlier stages to lose. Uh, and I don't think he's going to lose that much time over the last week or so. Uh, so I like Thomas in second and Bernal in third uh, for the final tour podium. I uh, I really don't want to change, but I'm I'm going to have to. I I agree completely with you on Thibaut Pino. Um, you know, we've seen him hang on with the top guys win stages before, uh, but he is dictating the terms of the race, and he has been doing it. Every single time they've gone up into the mountains, uh, he looked a little cautious on the Tourmalet. Still won the stage. He was absolutely the dominant climber in the GC group on stage 15. 
uh, he looked fantastic on stage six, even though he, you know, Thomas did technically cross the line before him. Like it was FDJ dictating tempo there. Um, and I, I think like I, like I said a couple of times, that is Thomas's strong suit and he was two seconds down. Um, so yeah, I, he's been good. He continues to look good. His team has been there. His team is not only that Mark Mario, I think has become kind of the, the, the Brailsford of this team. He does. He's not in the car screaming LA. Someone who knows what they're doing is doing that. And you just having the, having the people they've had up the road, having the support they've had in the, in, in the, in the pack. It's just, it's a, they're a great looking team. They've been getting better and better for the past couple of years. I, maybe I'm voting with my heart here. I really want Pino to win too. Um, I'm actually going to put Krauswag uh, in second uh, for, from Lotto Yumbo. He's been racing really well as well. And uh, I like Bernal in third. He's the guy I picked to win early. He's shown the passion and aggressiveness that I expected to see, but without maybe being as strong as as I thought he would. Um, I, I I like Thomas. He's yeah, I think he was maybe a little sick. He, he definitely, after the TT, made no bones about not being as strong as he wanted to be. He definitely looked really weak up Tourmalet. Um, so maybe he's, you know, maybe he's going to hit that short stance. I don't know. Uh, but just watching Bernal be so, just getting it every, every second he could on stage 15. I think that will eventually pan out for him, especially at altitude. All right. So in some strange, bizarro world, we have both picked Thibaut Pino to win the Tour de France. We're in the third week of the race and we're believing in his chances. And uh, I think it would be really great for the race if he managed to pull it off. I think it would be amazing for the Tour de France, for the French fans, uh, if this crazy thing were to happen. Um, it sounds like neither of us really believes in Julian Alaphilippe's chances to hold on. I'd, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. but Yeah, I do think that's one of those things where it's it would be amazing if it, if it were to happen. Um, uh, but yeah, I, to me it looks like... What we saw on stage 15, I think, is what we're going to continue yeah. to see over the next couple of days, which is I think he'll be able to hold on a ways into the stages, and then he'll just kind of start going backwards. He, he cracked very well, you know? like Yeah, yeah. he didn't in, lose 10 minutes. I think somebody got on the radio and told him to stop like trying to recover and then surge and just right. sort of find a group and ride a tempo. Because uh, definitely the first – like he matched – uh, when he got dropped, he didn't really get dropped. Like he self-dropped. He matched a Pinot acceleration, was riding there, I think past Buchmann. And then, you know, suddenly like the lactate hit him and he fell off when everyone was riding at pace. And of course, Pinot hit him again immediately. Uh, but he kept trying to do that surgy thing. And I think you saw him kind of fall into that group and start to just kind of, you know, drive the bus, even though it's not the auto bus. It's the what is it, third group on the road there. Right. But I mean, I I think you know he can limit his loss as well. But I uh, I don't see him being able to limit them enough that he stays in yellow. And to be fair, he also got the time trial he got was absolutely perfect for him. Like it's he true. could yeah. not yeah. have hoped for a better course, better wind conditions, yada yada yada. So either way. France with a great chance at this Tour de France to finally turn things around after more than three decades, which is pretty cool for the race. Hashtag France Stoke, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, that's our predictions. Uh, Hopefully you'll get a chance to enjoy what certainly looks like it's going to be a pretty compelling final week of racing. The, The ASO has done a really nice job, I think, with designing the course this year. They deserve some credit for that. This has been The Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And that's our show.